you know, to give. And in the middle of chemo, you know, I had to decide, am I going to keep fighting for my body right now or am I going to fight for the body I want in the future? Welcome back to the Freedom Stories podcast. Last month, we had Dr. Joel explaining his story and how he got into physical therapy. This month, we are going to do a 180 degree turn and talk to Meredith Hawk. She is a cancer survivor and on a mission. Can't wait for you to hear her story. Here's Meredith. All right, today on the Freedom Stories podcast, we have Meredith Hawk with us. We're so grateful to have you. And the first impression that I had of you was about a month and a half ago, I would say. Something like that, yeah. And I was in my office clanking away. And I looked out and I saw someone super young with a bald head. Yeah. And I just got real excited <laughs> because you are here going after functional goals. And if you're in a PT practice going after functional goals, that only means one thing about whatever the bald head potentially could have meant. Yeah. Yep. Is that maybe that was in the past. Mm-hmm. No, you're very true. And is it in the past? It is in the past. Yes. And what is it? Yes. Let me tell you about it. So it is uh, stage four Hodgkin's lymphoma. So I was diagnosed last November, uh, November 1st. So I remember that date. Uh, and then I started chemo November 30th and I had six very long months and very tough months of chemo that did a real number on my body. And I had my last chemo on May 3rd and I was here by May 13th. So I got right after it because I knew that like I have a whole life to live now and I need to be able to move and be independent and get through my day. And so you guys have been a great help with that. And you're currently using a cane every once in a while. I am. Yeah. So when I, one of the key side effects of the type of chemo that I have is had was neuropathy. Um, so I lost kind of from midway through chemo, I started to lose feelings in my fingertips and my toes. And then as I had more and more chemo, because it's cumulative, it was, you know, increasing and kind of coming up my legs. Um, so by the time I was done with chemo, I was mobile, but it was pretty rocky. I had lost 60 pounds because I couldn't eat and the nausea. So my body was just kind of a wreck going through it. And, um, I just, you know, I, I knew I wanted something different on the other side of that because it was such a rough road and that just meant like getting up and getting back on the horse and, you know, kicking soccer balls with you guys and learning to stand on one foot again. But it, it really took a toll on my body and, um, yeah, it's been a long road, but it's been a productive road. So I'm starting to see changes finally. So I don't think the cane will be around for much longer. Awesome. Yeah. What was life like prior to November 1st? 2022. Yeah. So it was, um, it was a challenging year before that. I had a cough that started in the springtime and this isn't to make anybody afraid of coughing, but that's kind of the first sign for me. And I thought it was allergies. And then we really thought it was acid reflux. So I went on a like full acid reflux protocol to try to get that figured out, but I just kept coughing. So I was spending a lot of time, you know, before being diagnosed in the doctors anyway, trying to figure out what was going on. And, you know, somebody would make a suggestion and I would kind of, you know, track it down. And finally a doctor said, Hey, we should probably get a chest x-ray. Like nobody's done that yet. Let's take a look. And when they did, they discovered that basically my entire trunk was full of cancer. So from my collarbone all the way down through my pelvis. Uh, so it was pretty advanced by the time we found it. But the crazy thing is once I got diagnosed, my coughing stopped. 
so I'm a like universe God person and I feel like that cough is what kept me pushing to get the medical care that I needed. And it's like once I was where I was supposed to be, I've literally not coughed since then. When did you start the journey? Because I know November 1st was, yeah. and I know you said a couple months earlier. Yeah. I think I went to the doctor for the first time for this in March. So it was like a solid six months, six seven month lead up to actually getting diagnosed. And I didn't really feel bad. Like otherwise I'm really fortunate. I did not have any of the other side effects that you get from Hodgkin's lymphoma. Like there's a whole, a whole list of things that could have been showing up, but really for me, it was a cough. And I just had like one little lymph node that got swollen and it was like the size of a pea, which doctors are like, that's fine. You know, that'll go away eventually. It just never did. Um, so that was kind of the first indication. So the year before chemo was felt very medical. Like I knew something was up with my body. I didn't know what though. And I'm like an action oriented go-getter kind of person. So I was not resting at all <laughs> leading up to it. I was just kind of trudging through. So when I kind of rolled into cancer, I was tired and worn down and not ready for the break I got, but ready for a little break from all of it. Isn't that scary? It is. Yeah. It was terrifying. <laughs> to think that all you had was a little cough? Yes. Yeah. And if not for it being so annoying, I probably would have been like, oh, it's a cough. I have, you know, hay fever or, you know, something like that, or I need to drink less coffee or, you know, who knows. But it was that cough that kept me moving forward. And nothing yeah. else. And nothing else. Mm -mm. I think that's what scares most people yeah. about cancer. Because mm -hmm. you're 30. I'm, I'll be 40 this year. You're 40. So yes. you're 39. So yes. we're similar in age. Yeah. And no family history. Oh, I mean, yeah, we have family history of cancer, not Hodgkin's lymphoma, but it you know, people primarily in their like 60s and 70s getting it, which is a little more traditional. Um, so yeah, this caught us completely by surprise. And Hodgkin's lymphoma is not genetic. So you don't pass it along. It's, you know, your body just kind of malfunctions and getting some waste out and, you know, you get blood cancer from it. Who knew? So they, doctors really have no good description or explanation for why it was happening. But um, I'm kind of at the tail end. You either get it really young, kind of maxing out at 40, or you have a higher risk later in life as well. So I don't know. Am I lucky? I slipped in. <laughs> I don't know. We'll, we'll find out. We'll see what my life looks like after all this. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But again, it kind of comes to that awareness. Mm -hmm. What was it like? that November 1st day? It was, um, that was a challenging day. So all funny, we were actually, uh, so I'm engaged and my fiance and I were at our uh, attorney's office getting, you know, like transfer, all those legal things you need to do when you live with someone and own a home with someone. We were getting all that in order, not really thinking about medical issues. And I was sitting in the office with our attorney, we were signing papers and I got a phone call from my doctor and I stepped outside to take it. And I was like, oh my God, what is, I don't even know what to do with this. And then I had to walk back into that meeting and like finish it for a second because I'm like, if I have a melt, like I'm gonna have a meltdown when I stop to think about this. Um, and so we walked out and I shared the news and it was just, it's like you're standing on a train track and you know the train is coming and you know there's nothing you can do to stop the train. And it's just like, all right, I guess I'm just going to have to like jump on and see where this takes me. I think probably the hardest part was telling my parents that, that it'll probably make me a little teary right here, but they live in Kansas City and they've been, you know, a huge help through this entire process. But that's a tough phone call to make to, you know, people that really love and care about you to share that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And for your fiance right oh, yeah. there, what a tale of two worlds. Oh, yeah. Planning for life mm -hmm. and then getting an 
life-altering phone call exactly. all at the exact same oh, moment. Oh, yeah. No, it was a weird moment yeah. <laughs> for and, sure. And one you'll forever remember. Mm-hmm. I will. How was it like with your fiancé and that? He, you know, he... <laughs> He's a rock. It's why I'm marrying him. You know, I, I'm clearly very in love with him. But he, uh, like, stepped up to the plate right then. You know, you have that moment where you think, nobody has to do this with me. You know, like, we're enga- we weren't actually even engaged at that point. But I'm like, if you don't, if this is not your path and this is not what you want, like, I, I know I have a great team of people who will take care of me. So, like, here's your out if you need one. And he was like, are you crazy? Like, this is it. Like, this is for better or for worse. And sickness and in in health, like, we're about to live that year. Um, And he, like, stepped up and has been an incredible partner and caretaker through the entire process. That's amazing. Yeah. Who else is on your team? So uh, my parents, as I mentioned, so they are, we're from Wichita, but they relocated here a couple of years ago. And so I feel so fortunate that they were here and available to be with me. Uh, my mom is retired. So she was kind of my like everyday, you know, doctor visit driver, you know, come and hang out in bed with me and we watch TV, you know, all that sort of stuff. So she was great. And then uh, my lifelong best friend, Erin, lives here. And she, uh, like from the very first doctor's visit, stepped up and was there with me along the way. She's an attorney. So it's really nice to have somebody like that in your doctor's visits with you because she's a great note taker. She asks really good questions. And I feel like in that moment, like you're just getting a huge download of things that emotions are tied up in it and everything. And so it was really nice to have somebody there with me who could be like, emotions aside, let's ask the real questions about what this looks like and then help me remember, <laughs> you know, cause you just forget things along the way. So those four people have been a huge help. And then I'm really fortunate to have a huge network in Kansas city. And, you know, it's not ever the way you want to learn how much your network loves you um, to go through something like this, but everybody showed up. People I've met one or two times showed up and it was just really heartwarming to hear from everybody and to get that sort of love and support along the way. Yeah. So mm-hmm. what is the network? What do you do? What, yeah. <laughs> what makes this such a big network? Yeah. So I was in um, city management in Kansas City for 15 years um, before I left to go into consulting on my own. So I have a pretty big network from the city management world and the local government world. And then as a consultant, um, I do image consulting with House of Color. So I help people figure out the colors and styles that look best for them. And I've been, gosh, over the last two years, I think I've seen almost 500 people through that. So lots of connections there. And then I do executive recruitment as well. So I just I meet lots of candidates, lots of people. Um, I'm somebody that likes to get out and, you know, just develop friendships and, you know, see how we can help each other. So uh, it was a weird break from that for six months, not being really able to do that. But it was really, um, you know, nice to see people reaching out and kind of returning that favor along the way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now that six months, kind of walk through that a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> You've mentioned it a couple times. I, it's I, a, yeah. I kind of stayed away from it, but now I feel like it's a great time it to is. get into the weeds of that. Sure. So hour. when when I was meeting with my doctor uh, at the very beginning, I'm like, well, will I be able to work during this? You know, what's it going to look like? And he was like, yeah, you know, most some people work part time, some people work full time. Like, we'll just kind of fill it, you know, feel it out and see what it looks like to you. So I went into chemo really optimistic. Like, I'm a strong person and I can, you know, get through most things. You know, maybe I'll have to cut back a little bit, but that shouldn't be too big of a deal. I'm, you know, I'll just power through. I knew after that first chemo cycle, that was not going to work for me. So I got had chemo every two weeks. And, you know, when you get chemo, your body kind of has a 
the same cycle every time you get chemo, it responds in the same way. Um, and what I discovered is we had a lot of cancer to kill and that's painful. Like getting chemo is not painful. Recovering from chemo is not a breeze by any means. Um, so I would have a couple really bad days from that. Um, and then I got a shot to help keep my immune system strong. Um, and it stimulates your bone marrow to produce more white blood cells. And that is incredibly painful. Once the shot doesn't hurt, but it's like growing pains. It's just basically because your bone marrow is so active, um, your, your body's just achy and hurting. So physically, I suffered pretty quickly. I went from being like up and mobile and out and about to being fairly bedridden pretty early in the process um, and not leaving my home a lot, not feeling comfortable driving other places, things like that. So my world got very small very quickly. What kept you going? So two things kept me going. Um, I think the first thing, and I actually have a bracelet on today, and it says the storm. Um, that was my mantra through all of this. So early in the process, I, like I'm a, I, I like I need something beyond like hope and pray and love and whatever to get me through this because I'm like I have a battle ahead of me, and if I don't win this battle, I'm gonna die. So there's like the only choices to fight at this point. And so I came across um, the quote, and there's lots of versions of this quote, but essentially it says, the universe said to the warrior, you will not survive the storm, to which she replied, I am the storm. And that was my attitude like throughout chemo, like you've picked the wrong body. This is not for you. You will not survive me. And you need to know that. And so there were a lot of really long, dark nights where I would just be laying in bed, like, I am the storm. I am the storm. I'm like, you can't get through this. You know, this is, this is not going to be the thing that takes you down. And so I had to do a lot of mental work, um, to get through that. And then, I mean, truly the people who took their time to come hang out and see me and reach out, I didn't always have the energy to respond. Um, but one of my good friends, she sent me a card every day for the day after chemo. And so it was just always like a little note in my in you know, actual mailbox. I was going to say inbox, but actual mailbox, like somebody out there is praying for me and it, you know, is really kind of rooting for my success. And so between those two things, I got through most of it. Um, but truly when the alternative is you stop fighting and die, like you just keep going no matter how you get to the other side. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Incredible. Yeah. I'm tearing up a little bit. I know. Sorry. <laughs> I, I, I'm having a hard time. I knew I was going to cry at one point. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm having a hard time coming up with the next question. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> but, um, six months happens, you get yeah. out of it, mm -hmm. you come to freedom. What was it like coming into rehab? Yeah. Oh, it was, um, very humbling, I think. So I knew I was going to have some physical issues on the other side of chemo, um, like by April-ish. So I had started having conversations with my doctors about, you know, what does this look like? I want to get rehab as soon as possible. Um, and so they had recommended you all um, because my doctor, we had a great conversation where he sat down and said, tell me what you want your life to look like on the other side of this. And I'm like, well, I'm 40 and I was active before this. I've done triathlons in my past. Like I, I want to be strong and independent and healthy and confident, um, you know, when I get through my healing phase. And he said, then we need to find you a physical therapist who will rehab you back to that, who won't just, you know, make it you know, maybe you'll need a cane, maybe we won't. Like if triathlons are the goal at some point, let's find a place that can rehab you back to that. And so I feel so fortunate that he pointed me um, in the direction of freedom because I feel like uh, when I walked in the door, I was pretty broken. You know, I was, I, I wasn't standing very long. I definitely needed a cane. My toes weren't working. I couldn't even do simple toe lifts. 
um, walk, you know, everything was hard. Um, and to think about three months later, the progress that I've made, like, I feel really grateful for that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. How much more do you have to go? Great question. <laughs> well, I've reached my insurance deductible. Okay. <laughs> so well, I'm here till they kick me out. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> I'm here till you guys kick me out. Um, but I don't, I think it's coming back fairly quickly. It was pretty slow. Kind of those first three months, I think it's just my body was turning back on and we had to spend a lot of time working on like the brain body connection. So my first couple of appointments were literally like, I was sitting here with Dr. Joel and we were thinking together about my toes moving. And I'm like, you're kidding me. I'm going to come to physical therapy three times a week and think about my toes moving. Like, wow, this is so different from right. the person I was before. But, you know, you do that and they start moving again. And then, you know, your ankles start moving better and then you can balance a little bit better. So it was, it's been a lot of really tiny improvements that over time are, are finally starting to add up, which is really nice. What's the end game? What's the goal? Uh, this, <laughs> the end game, I suppose, is I just want to be able to like walk confidently through an airport and not worry about how long it is from the front entrance to the gate and be able to juggle my luggage, you know, as you need to and like not be thinking about how my physical body is moving all the time. No thanks to the new Kansas City airport. Exactly. Well, yeah, I've traveled for the first time recently for work and uh, I elected to use a wheelchair in the airport, which is another kind of humbling choice that you make when you realize you need to ask for help in that area. But um, I was like, oh yeah, I could totally have navigated the old one, not this one. I'm gonna right. need some help with this. Yeah, it's quite yeah. a jaunt. It is, it is. Triathlons, that in, is that in the future? What we're... No, I don't think so. So I did that when I turned 30 as like a, hey, I can do this situation. And at that time I was the uh, board chair of Girls on the Run here in Kansas City. So I was really kind of focused on like moving and being a good example. And I'm like, what's the goal for myself? physically that I want to set that will really be like a feather in my personal cap when I achieve it. So I trained for it at that time and did it. I don't think, I didn't love the training process. Frankly, it's a yeah. lot of hard work and dedication to get there. But um, I, you know, I, I just want to be like strong, healthy and confident. And I think the real win for me will is not anytime soon, but it's going to be when I'm, you know, in my eighties and I can get up and down by myself and have good balance and my thumbs work and you know, all of those things. So right. I'm really taking the long view this yeah. time around. Did you have a different view before? I think I did. You know, I think when you're, I mean, I, I feel young. I think you're thinking about like, what does next year look like? And you know, what do I need to do today? I'm so busy. Do I have time to actually work out and whatnot? So you get really, or at least for me, I was really focused on the here and the now. And I think going through this has really made me, it, well, it gave me a preview into what my body will look like as I age. And I saw a future that I don't want. I don't want to be bedridden. I don't want to struggle to get up and down stairs if I can do something about it. So where before it was a little more like weight loss, vanity focus, you know, hey, hit a goal here or there. Now I'm like, no, I'm training for my 80s and I want good knees and good thumbs and good balance. And I want to be able to get off the floor. And, you know, that work starts now. So that's what I'm here to do. Don't you think most people have that thought process? I don't know, maybe, no. <laughs> maybe just not me. <laughs> do you think you were just different prior to cancer or do you th think that's... I think I just wasn't thinking about, like it feels so far away. Like, oh, I don't have to worry about that this year because I have 40 more years that I can start uh, fixing that. And you know, when you have a kind of brush with death, you're like, I maybe I don't have 40 more years to do this. And you know, I need to start making these choices now so that I am healthy for as long as I'm here and I can maximize those moments instead of really, you know, being worried about what my body is doing. Yeah. 
do you have a plan? In life, in general. <laughs> Just to get to the 80s and be functional. Um, what Have you road mapped it out that far? I mean, I know the desire is yeah. there, but what is the plan to get there? Yeah, no, I. so I am very early in that planning stage. You know, right now the commitment is to do the physical therapy that I need to. And I, I work with you guys and then I also do hand therapy. So I spend a lot of time in physical therapy every week and a lot of time doing homework and, you know, all the take-home stuff you have to do. So I feel like that's really where my head is. Um, I'm starting to be able to see a time where I can work out on my own, maybe in a way that it feels a little more traditional to me. Um, and I don't know what that's going to look like yet. So I think when I can walk without a cane, I'll feel like, all right, I can take some other things on right now. Yeah. Yeah. But that's to say, Dr. Joel puts me through the paces here. So <laughs> Literally. Yeah. I get a good workout while I'm here for sure. <laughs> Are you afraid of the cancer coming back? I think everybody's a little bit afraid of that. So I had, my cancer was 100% gone three months into my chemo. So it's like they they shared, they're like, you know, we killed this one and then we're going to put some more poison in you so we kill it for the future yeah, as well. Whatever. Yeah, so, around. exactly. We're just going to bug bomb the whole thing, which I was there for because I don't want to go through this again. Um, so I'm a little bit afraid of it. Um, I will say that Hodgkin's lymphoma has a pretty high success rate of cure and it's a much shorter remission period. So it's two years from the date of diagnosis. So by November, 2024, all my risk factors will be back to normal. Um, but I will say that while I don't ever wanna do this again, I think I learned that I can survive it. And so if something like this were to happen again, I don't think it's this big like looming, gloomy thing and you know, that I, or unknown that I would have to figure out. I, I know a lot about what chemo does and how my body responds. And if I have to fight that fight again, I will fight that fight again until, you know, I don't have a choice. Because you're going to be the storm. I'm going to be the storm. <laughs> that was a really incredible quote. Yeah. I've never heard that. Mm -hmm. It's that one you, of my favorites. That you yeah. fight back. Yeah. With the storm, with yeah. a bigger storm. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You picked the wrong person here. And that's kind of, I mean, that's like my energy vibe. I feel like, like I'm a fighter. I'm a strong person. And I needed something that would give me strength and remind me that like, no, you can do this. You got this. Yeah. Yeah. So without calling someone else the storm. Yeah. Can you give someone else some helpful advice? Yeah. So I've thought a lot about this because in the middle of chemo, I would, people all the time would be like, you're so strong. You're so strong. You're so strong. And I'll tell you in the middle of chemo, you don't feel strong. You feel broken and weak and like truly at the bottom of so many things. And I saw a quote during this time period uh, where somebody was talking about the advice or what she hoped her friends would say to her, what would have felt better. And it was something along the lines of um, wishing you peace in this moment and strength for the next. And so, I mean, so that's my new go-to. So if, if you ever hear that from me, that's why. Because I just loved that in that moment, it was recognizing that like, you probably need a little compassion right now, but I'm giving, I'm sending you all the strength for where you're going next and you've got this and you can handle this. So, um, it's a mind game to get through it. Like you win cancer, you beat cancer mentally, you know, as a patient for sure. Um, and so it's just really whatever brings you strength to find that and to tap into that and to just keep going, you know, one foot in front of the other and you eventually get to the other side. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And again, I think the peace component 
It's yeah. really hard for us mm -hmm. to sit within the culture that we live in. There's oh, not yeah. a lot of peace, period. No, there's not. And you have to make choices. You know, when you are going through any sort of chronic illness or disability or, you know, anything like that, you only have so much energy, you know, to give. And in the middle of chemo, you know, I had to decide, am I going to keep fighting for my body right now or am I going to fight for the body I want in the future? And I had to choose, like, I'm going to, in order to survive chemo, I need to lay in bed. Like, that's the option for me. And I know I'm going to have physical ramifications on the other side. But to get the peace I need in this moment, this is what I'm going to have to do. And I will show up for the next battle or the next storm, you know, when it comes. But yeah, lots of choices to find peace. You have to let go of a lot of expectations and a lot of people telling you, oh, here's, here's what you should do. Or here's what worked for my brother's cousin's friend or, you know, whatever. Um, but it's like, what do I need in this moment? And that's what I'm going to do. My only, my focus is on surviving. The rest of life can hold on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I got one last question. Okay. It's a little lighthearted. Okay, a little good. more lighthearted. Okay. In all that downtime, right? <laughs> yeah. What was your go-to book or movie? What was oh. it that you just kind of fell in love with yeah, that this, time? Oh, this makes me so cringy to say this now. But I loved like the pimple popper videos. Oh, and I cannot stand them now. Like it totally grosses me out now. But they were, I don't know. It was a weird like TikTok rabbit hole I found myself in. And I I'm, wish we were doing this live right I know, now because you your can face. see my face. What in the world? <laughs> Are you familiar with these? I have no idea what you're talking okay, about. Okay, well. I, All I know is that my wife really likes and there well, you go. Well, well people videotape that. There's whole TV shows about this. <laughs> and it is a uh, weird little rabbit hole on the internet. There, there is a whole TV show, Dr. Pimple Popper. So it's not just me who's interested in this. But for some reason, like that was very calming during like chemo. And, and then now, like I can't do it. Super aversion to it. <laughs> you watch somebody just popping pimples. Uh-huh. I know I'm blowing your mind right now. <laughs> I always tell my wife to leave them alone because they're okay. just fine and they'll go away. They like, probably that's I... are. That's probably the smart move. Okay. Yeah, that's probably the smart move. But yeah, there's a rabbit hole on social media if you ever need to explore that. That's hilarious. <laughs> I can't believe that you just said that. I know. I know. There you go. <laughs> so it's not necessarily a documentary of how it's good for you to pop all these things. No, no, no. It's literally like Thank estheticians and dermatologists or whatever, like as they do extractions, videotape it. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. dear goodness. I had my <laughs> wife and I had a facial one time oh, and they yeah. were going after my nose oh, and it yeah. was anything but comfortable. That yeah. was a it was a very bad experience. Yeah. Well, I don't know if these people were comfortable while it was happening, but that that's where I was and that's okay. where I spent my time. I watched plenty of TV. I think I watched all of every streaming service that existed. You kind of get chemo brain, so it's hard to pay attention mm. to things for long periods of time. So like really no reading or podcasts or things that I would normally do, but mm. lots of Netflixing. Well, great. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much, You're Meredith. Welcome. What an incredible pleasure it was to, to get to know you. Again, I watch you from afar. Thank and you. it looks like you've come a really far away. I have. Not only physically, but the hair. I know. Yeah. So I'm getting a little hair back. So when I started here, I had no hair, no eyebrows, no eyelashes. So now I have a nice little buzz cut that's yeah. coming in. You got My it. eyelashes are back. Those are the ones I miss the most. So sharp. I'm happy. Looking happy sharp. Yeah. Yeah. And you look good in that pink and purple. 
Thank sure. you. It's in my colors. <laughs> if I could ever get into public speaking, you are the go-to for color. Because as of right now, I wear black and gray. Mm -hmm. They the may not be your best colors. The freedom colors. Yeah. <laughs> so when I developed my brand for my business, I made sure it was in my colors as well. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess, well, real quick, what, what would my color be? I don't know. I can't look at you and tell. Oh, you can't I tell? have a whole process, draping process. We look at undertones. Oh, yeah. It's a whole color science. It's oh, a whole thing. Goodness gracious. But my color has dressed changed in the last three weeks because I was cruising and now I'm yeah I went from being very very pale to a little bit of tan a little bit more <laughs> well you always tan in your correct undertone so it works for you okay but, yeah Thank if you. you go on the speaker circuit look me up though I can All right. help you <laughs> whenever I get there okay might not ever happen in our lifetime but hopefully so well Meredith thank you again my pleasure freedom stories just a blessing to have you I and again it. we hope that people are listening on this so that they can Find some courage. And mm -hmm. I think probably the best is to find some peace. Exactly. Accept what you can accept, change what you can change. Nice. Well, thank you. Yeah, thank you. Be a bigger storm. When you find yourself in the middle of turmoil, be a storm. Fight back, but find that peace that allows for you to have strength for that next day. I love how Meredith shared that. I'm so thankful for her story and for her fight every single day. Meredith, you're awesome, keep it going. If you're in the Kansas City area and we can help you, feel free to reach out to us at info at freedompttc.com or follow us on one of our social media outlets. Instagram is at freedompttc and Facebook is Freedom Physical Therapy and Training Center. Remember, subscribe to our podcast so you can get updates on when the next Freedom Stories go live.